Amen. Um, if you don't know and you're, you're visiting, or I know uh, St. Luke's is uh, um, not having services today, so we might have a few people from St. Luke's. Welcome. It's good to have you here. Um, I've been on leave for the last 30 days, and um, before I get into anything, I just want to say thank you all for uh, giving me some time to rest and to reset over the last few weeks. It's been uh, good, um, interesting, and at times challenging, but... Uh, overall good and necessary. It was a little strange taking leave after taking a couple of weeks off uh, of vacation in the summer. So just to put it in perspective, over the last 10 weeks, I've preached once, which is the longest I've ever gone without preaching in the last 10 years I've been a pastor. And uh, I was around a few of those weeks, uh, but we had guest preachers. Alyssa preached at one point, and we had been from Love Boldly, if you remember. For the most part, I wasn't here, either on vacation or leave. And then even when I was here, I wasn't like here, here, if you know what I mean. Because a lot has been going on, and I can't tell you the whole story, um, not at this point, for a variety of reasons, mostly because as a storyteller, I know that uh, the story uh, is still being written, and as a storyteller, I can tell you that it's not good to share a story publicly when you're in the midst of it, and it's better to let it finish and get on the other side of resolution and reflect and sharing, so that's my plan. But if you know me, um, I'll end up telling you more than you want to know, so stick around for that, and that's just who I am, and I don't see that changing. But here's what I can say. 13 weeks ago, um, conflict began to stir at church. And uh, um, so if you're new with us, turns out we're human. Um, conflict that really kind of spiraled um, a little bit out of control. And, and I didn't handle it well. And by well, I mean a couple things. First off, I made mistakes. But also my mental health began to deteriorate as a result of the specific nature of this conflict. So much so that I, that I could no longer handle the situation I'd found myself in. And I had come to terms with the fact that I was not able to solve the situation I had found myself in. So I quit, sort of, <laughs> because I'm here. <clears throat> Now, I'm a United Methodist pastor, so you can't just quit. I mean, it, it's one of those situations where the form has to be filled out and triplicate and rubber stamped and signed off by various committees. You, the, you know how these things work. So I, but I did give up. I, I was just done. Now, I am not one to quit in adversity, and I want you to hear that. Listen, I planted a church, uh, started a nonprofit. I've helped launch numerous new organizations and ministries. Uh, we have a child. We are familiar with adversity. Um, and I've had um, difficult days. I've had hard days. So when I say I couldn't do it anymore, it's not like I was some wimp who couldn't handle conflict. Okay? I, it was just the nature of this particular conflict and its many layers prevented me from continuing as your pastor at that time. I had sleepless nights, uh, I was depressed, and I was angry, and I was a lot of other things as well. And, and I had to get away, and I found that as soon as I got away, I reset pretty quickly. I, I immediately felt better once I had gotten just kind of stepped away and given myself some space, which, which tells me that a lot of the problem was in the situation and not so much going on in my heart as far as I can tell. Now, when I told my superintendent, I called him up and I said, hey, superintendent, his name's Tim, um, I'm done. And he's like, done, done. It's not how he ordered it. He's more professional than me. And I said, no, I'm just like, I'm done. I don't know, like, I don't know what that means. I'm just done, you know. And he said, well, let's put you on renewal leave. And aren't you glad when, you know, leaders are able to see past hurt and really help you make better decisions? And so I'm thankful to him. And I say that because um, if you're glad to see me today, you can thank our superintendent, Tim Bias. 
If you're not glad to see me today, you can thank our superintendent, Tim Bias. Um, you can reach him at the conference office and let him know how you feel. Um, either way, he's actually a, a, a joke, but he's a big part of the reason, him and the support I received from Paul, who not only, by the way, filled in on Sundays driving, he reminded me this morning on Facebook, an hour and 20 minutes to get here, um, which turns out he didn't enjoy doing, by the way. I mean, he enjoyed being with you all, but the hour and 20 minutes. Um, but like, I talked to him weekly, texted him daily, and it was Tim and Paul and a few close friends who really supported me and helped me kind of get back on my feet. So I say all this not to make you feel sorry for me. I want, I want you to hear this. This has been hard. This, has been, this season's been hard on a lot of people. Our staff have had to jump in and, and lead in my absence um, without any preparation. You know, I've been gone before, but like we figure it out before I go. Um, we were without a worship leader, which was just so unfortunate timing <laughs> for everything. Uh, but even others have had it hard in more direct ways. Um, you should know that there are others who've had it, I would say, worse than me. I have no doubt. And others who've had a, a hard time over the last 13 weeks in ways that are unrelated to this conflict. The, the hardest part of your life, if you're here in the last few weeks, might have nothing to do with what's going on with me. I recognize that. In fact, I know there are many people in our church who are facing challenges they never thought they'd face. It seems to be just a very unfortunate season for a lot of people, and I'm, I'm not saying that lightly. There are many people in our community who are just facing problems that they, they never thought they'd face, and they're not sure how they're going to make it through. Problems at work, with family, with kids, addictions, mental health crisis, problems with housing, uh, legal issues, sickness, losing people that they love. And for each of you, if that's you, if you're facing a difficult space, I want you to know that I'm praying for you and I see you. So first, this has been a hard season for a lot of people for lots of different reasons. The second thing I want you to know is that I'm not perfect. And uh, for the record, I never claimed to be. Um, I'm actually surprised when people act like I should be because have you met me? <laughs> I, I'm a mess. And, and I say that very sincerely to say that I've, I've certainly played a very a significant part in some of the conflict that has transpired. And, and I'll own that. And, and as, as the story works its way forward, I'll continue to own that. So over the last 13 weeks, I've experienced the breadth of the human experience from depression to grief to anger to joy. But through it all, and this is what I want you to hear, I've never felt more connected to God. God has continually shown up to me. In fact, one day I was feeling especially distraught. I was, I was ready to quit again, which was I was on this like cycle of I'm going to do this, I'm going to quit, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, it was you know one of those seasons of your life. Um, that's just how bad it had been for me. Now, um, I want you to know before I say anything else that I'm I'm okay. Um, I'm doing fine. Um, my marriage is great. My calling as a pastor is secure. I, I want to be a pastor. I want to invest in the church, and I want to help people fall in love with Jesus and become more like the Jesus who loves the broken and the hurting and bringing healing and peace. I'm all about that. That was never in doubt through all of this. I just thought I, at this time I couldn't be a pastor here anymore. And I know that might even be shocking for some people to hear, but I need you to know something, and it will be uncomfortable for some people to hear, but it is true. Uh, I'm dispensable. I just am. Not necessarily disposable. They don't want you to treat me like trash just because I'm dispensable, but I'm dispensable. This is not about me. Church is not about me. Central City Church is not about me. My calling and faith is not so tied so closely to this particular church that if I was to leave, I would stop following Jesus. And aren't you glad to hear that? I mean, really. It's good news. And I hope the same is true for you. 
So I know no one wants to hear about how their pastor tried to quit the church, but I did. I had my resignation letter at this point written. I'd written, written it out. I, I was just, just where I was at. And I, I just wanted a fresh start. I wanted a chance to get back to the things that matter, loving God, loving people, being in the hands of the feet of Jesus, you know, the good stuff. And, and that's where I was. So I drafted my res- resignation letter, which I don't even know if that's how it works. I wrote it up. I planned to give it to my conference later that day. Um, you know, triple kit, rubber stamped, all that sort of stuff. Done, done. But that morning, I went on a walk, and I ended up at a local coffee shop where I got breakfast, a, a coffee shop I go to often, as it's, a, it's just a short walk from my house. And as I started to eat my, my artisan overpriced breakfast sandwich, which was delicious, by the way, I watched uh, my staff show up. First Delaney, uh, then Christy, uh, then Molly, and then John, our admin. They, they had decided to hold a staff meeting at that particular coffee shop that particular morning, their first staff meeting since I had you know, st- stepped away to go on leave, which was ironic because it wasn't without me, uh, so to speak. And here's a, here's a picture of that encounter. So I sat with them for a while, and I was just so glad to see them. I mean, it was just so good to see them. I, you, you all, we have some of the most amazing people working at this little, strange little church we have here, this little group of misfits. Christy, who's uh, doing her apprenticeship for seminary, uh, just you know, she's doing such, a, she's done such an amazing job caring for people in ways I, I'm not even gifted in. Molly, if you're a parent, knows how invested she is in our children, and not just the children, but the parents and our family. John, who you probably haven't met, um, uh, he's our admin. He's he's a fantastic admin, but he also offers spiritual direction. He's offering spiritual direction for like four or five people in our community. Um, which I think is amazing. Delaney, our small group coordinator, is passionate about justice and creating a safe space. I mean, it's just so good to see um, the staff. And so I left that morning. I didn't stay for the staff meeting, by the way. I was on leave, so I wasn't working. Uh, But I walked away after hanging out with them for a little bit. I headed back home, and I thought of that letter I'd written, and I said to myself, I said, all right, I'll give it a few more days for their sake. This is random encounter was just what I needed, you know, just a couple more days, which, which as a pastor, I usually tell people when you're in crisis, just give it a couple more days, and then after that, you got to give it a couple, couple more days, right? But that wasn't the first time it happened. Every couple of days when I was just like so distraught, I wanted to walk away, God would show up and bring something into my life to keep me going, to hold me on for just a few more days. I have been sustained these past 13 weeks by God's Spirit showing up in my life in very profound ways. All that to say this, I'm sure you have questions. If you didn't come here with questions, you probably do now, so you're welcome. And maybe they'll get answered, maybe they won't. But through this season, whether you know what's going on or not, it's possible that you're hurting. And here's what I know. God isn't done with you. And I don't think God's done with me either. I am not here this morning because I deserve it. I don't. And I'm not here because I forced it because I haven't. And I'm not here because I'm perfect, because I'm not. I'm here because God just won't let go of me. And I'm hoping the same is true for you, that God's grace just won't let go of you. And to that, I think the church should say, amen. Amen. So after all of that, where do we go from here? 
That's a hard question. Here's what I'm thinking. There's this TV show that follows the adventures of an IT crew in this large corporation. It's a comedy that ran from 2006 to 2013. Turns out our IT crew really is a fan of it. I only watched some of it, but I did watch enough to know that their primary piece of advice whenever something went wrong with technology in this particular business, the advice they gave was the same advice they gave over and over again. It's good advice. It's advice we're going to use today. And to help us, we're going to watch a clip from this, um, this comedy, because that's what we need after that last Talk. Someone's trying to call IT to get help on a computer. Have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> oh, okay, well, the button on the side, is it glowing? Yeah, you need to turn it on. <laughs> um, the button turns it on? Yeah. You, yeah. You, you do know how a button works, don't you? No, not on clothes. Hello, IT. Yaha. Have you tried forcing an unexpected reboot? No, no, there you go. No, there you go. I just heard it come on. No, no, that's the music you hear when it comes on. No, that's the music you hear when it... I'm sorry, are you from the past? You see, the driver hooks a function by patching the system call table, so it's not safe to unload it unless another thread's about to jump in there and do its stuff, and you don't want to end up in the middle of invalid memory. <laughs> Have you ever tried uh, forcing an unexpected reboot? <laughs> Which is a fancy way of saying, have you tried turning it off and off again? I, I love this particular clip because it, it not only gives the iconic advice for when something doesn't work, the first thing you try is you know, turn it off and on again, but also gives you know, that, that, that technical version of why. Um, when you're having trouble with something, you know, turn it off and on. And I saw a meme recently that suggested, and memes you know, are usually pretty accurate, that maybe that's what humans need as well. Well, over the last 30 days of leave, I've had the chance to unplug and reset, but I know that I'm the only one who needs a reset. So as I jump back into things, I want to take a second and reset. You know, get back to what's important. And uh, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to talk about who we are, why we are, and where we're headed. Get back to these very basics, try turning it off and turning it back on again. So I wanna do a really really simple exercise with you, just kind of center ourselves and kind of feel what I'm trying to, to say. So I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes. If you're joining us online, you can close your eyes as well. And uh, I just want you to uh, take a few breaths and I'm gonna give you some instructions. So um, close your eyes and as we sit, I encourage you to leave behind some of the stuff you've brought in here, your fears, your worries, all of today's trouble. And I want us to start going back in time. I want us to imagine that we're going back in time as if we can scroll through history like this endless screen, swiping through, back before you were born, before your parents were born, before America, go back further to before Jesus, before the beginning, before the Ice Ages and 
earlier than when biological matter, all the way back, trace the movement of the particles all the way back to the Big Bang, to the source. Go further back and further in until you find yourself with nothing left. Full reset. And what we find there, before there is a place, before there is time on a clock, before and apart from it all, there is one before there is anything else. And we call that one God. You can flash forward back all the way to the present, all the way back to the present with all of its troubles, knowing now that God has been there every step of the way before there were any troubles to worry about. And now, as we sit in the silence, God is even here with you, with us. That's where we begin. You can open your eyes. Full reset takes us to God. I started my paperwork for ordination. I have to fill out dozens of forms and answer deep theological questions. And as I was working on it, I pulled out the form that asked you questions about what you believe. And it said, give examples of how practical ministry has affected your experience and understanding of, and I list a bunch of things, but the first one is God. And I froze. God. Who is God? You know, when I started ministry, I'd, I'd have a really uh, simple answer for that. Because I thought I knew a lot more than I did then. Um, but how do you define God? Other than to say God is undefinable, how do you describe God? Other than to say that God is uh, indescribable. How do you experience God other than to say that God is that which I am not, the divine other, not us, something else? Yet how can we know God if we don't believe something about God? The Bible has a lot to say about who God is. On the one hand, the mystery of God was so deeply respected that the early expressions of the faith weren't even allowed to speak or spell God's name out completely out of fear that they might misrepresent who God is. But we know a few things about God. I believe the person of Jesus is the best picture of who God is, the revelation of God made flesh, as the Gospel of John says. But it's in the letters of John, actually, that we see the truth distilled and processed and pressed down and boiled down until it's in its purest form. There was this, uh, this great little show called uh, The Bear, and it's about a restauranteur, and he goes back home and makes these like German sandwiches. But he's talking about this other dish he made at this five-star Michelin restaurant, and it had this puree, it had this sauce that involved cooking down something, that, and you had to cook it and stir it constantly for like 24 hours. It required like multiple shifts of people for this one sauce, and once you cooked it and you kept stirring it, it would distill all the way down to this beautiful sauce that they would use on something, and that's what I see here. When you take all that we know about God and you distill it down and it takes a long time to get there, you end up with what John says in 1 John 4, verses 8 and 16, God is love. You're like, well, John, that seems pretty basic. And I'm like, yeah, did you miss the part where we're resetting? God is love. Let's start there. Let's throw everything else out. 
Everything we've gathered and picked up and picked up along the way, it started. God is love. And we'll build our faith back up from that starting part, a full reset with a new operating system and one that has one command to love. Love God and love others. Why? Because that is who God is, which is a way of saying before there was anything, there was love. So John explains it, and if you want to follow along, we're going to spend some time in the letter of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21, we're going to skip a few of the verses, but you can follow along, it'll be on the screen as well. The words, uh, it says this, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Anyone know the song? This is about this. Anyone know this song? Uh, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And anyone who loveth is born of... It's the King James Version. And no, no one knows this song? Well, you didn't have my mom as a mom, I guess. You have to understand that everything we do in our faith is about navigating our relationship between God and other people. The primary way we navigate that relationship is through this vehicle called love. So what does it mean to love? When John answers that for us in verse 9, he says, This is how God showed his love among us. So this is what love looks like. He sent his one and only son, the revelation of God made flesh, into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love is best displayed in what we call the gospel. This simple truth, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Love is sacrifice. Love is dying to yourself. And love is a gift something that is given at great cost. And when it's given, it transforms both the giver and the receiver. Love, the love that we're talking about here isn't about good feelings or warm embraces or your favorite ice cream, and I love ice cream. But when I say I love ice cream, I'm not talking about this kind of love. We're talking about something that is at its very nature divine, this divine force, something that originates in God. God is love. And we can love each other because God first loved us. Love is the divine force we receive from God and can't help but share with others. That's the theology. Now, psychologists would say something similar. Ask anyone who knows anything about human nature, and they will tell you that it's far easier to love other people when you first know that you are loved. If you've never been loved yourself, you'll find it very difficult to love other people. So do you know how much you are loved? Here's the gospel. In a world that is not always loving and not always fair and at times very hurtful, we can know that this indescribable, undefinable, mysterious, divine other God loves you. And before there was anything, that love was already there. And it's that simple truth that empowers us to love others. Like we prayed earlier, if you were paying attention, we are able to forgive others because God forgives us. We are able to love others because God has loved us. We are generous to others because God is generous to us, and it originates with God. And because of that, verse 11, he says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. 
How do we define God? God is love. How do we experience God? Well, John lays it out for us. We experience God by loving others. For when we love other people, we come to realize that it is God in us that enables us to love. It's in the act of loving others that we meet God. Because of this divine force we we call love is activated when it's given. You, you, You can't hoard it. It's why Jesus says in Matthew 25, when you give someone who's thirsty something to drink or when you give something to eat to someone who's hungry, it's as if you're giving it to Jesus. You experience Jesus in the act of sacrificial giving. You meet God there. It's like the difference between potential energy and kinetic energy, which I remember all the way back from high school. God always loves you. That's a fact. But that love God has for you remains potential energy. You can go look these words up later if you're not sure. Until you act on it. It's only when you act on it that it becomes kinetic energy. That's the goal. It becomes alive. John goes on, and this whole passage is worth your time, but I'm going to skip to verse 19. It says he's going to repeat himself, thus illustrating how important this is. He really wants us to hear this. So verse 19, he says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims, this is is what took me to this passage. This is what I want to sit with. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. A very unloving thing of God to say. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Some would say that the most important thing about us is how we view God. Um, uh, Others would say that the most important thing about us is how God views us. And we know God loves us. The most important relationship we have is with God. The first and greatest commandment is to love God with everything that we are. There's nothing greater. But here's what you need to understand. We don't worship God or read Scripture or pray to become better at loving God. We do that because if we're truly becoming better at loving God, we're also becoming better at loving people. If you do all of these things, good things, spiritual disciplines, but you aren't loving your neighbor better because of it, you've missed the point. Far too many religious people love to love God and hate to love the people God has called us to love. And when our religion becomes what is about what is right and what's holy and what is good, what's perfect instead of what is compassionate, well, we've gotten it wrong. When our religion becomes about what is holy and pure instead of what is loving and considerate, of all people, then we've gotten it wrong. That's why over and over again in the scriptures, the prophets will tell us this. Look at Amos 5. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. God literally says, I, I, when you get together and do these religious things, I'm like, ooh, you smell bad. That's what it, you know, that's what it's saying here. Like, no, thank you. They're lighting, but we're lighting these incense candles, God. It should smell good. He's like, I hate the smell of incense. I will not listen to the music of your harps. It's noise to my ears. This is what I want. Let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. The greatest commandment is to love God, but the second commandment, which is just as important, Jesus says, is to love your neighbor as yourself. The primary way we show our love for God is how we love our neighbors. This is how Dr. Cornell West said, justice is what love looks like in public. 
And if we don't love our neighbors, here's the hard truth. Then we can't claim to love God. So what does it mean to love our neighbors? I, I, what, I'm going to step away from my notes because I, I just said a bunch of words and who knows if they even made sense. But this is what I'm trying to say here is, as a church, this is what it's about for us. I'm going to unpack it here in a second and show us where we're going, but it's about loving people, not because, just because of loving people, because that's how we love God. That's what it's about. And the way in which we love God is by engaging in a, a number of different ways on how it means to love people. So, so here's what I want to do. There's, there's, I think, six dimensions that we're going to focus on in this series, and we're going to continue to talk about as a church next year um, that have to do with this is what it means to love your neighbor. This is what I think God, God's like, if you love me, you'll do these things. This is, what, this is the case that I'm making. Here they are. You can put them up on the screen. Diversity and inclusion, justice and mercy, community and compassion, Loving misfits and enemies, uh, misfits and outcasts, and loving enemies and engaging in reconciliation. We're going to talk about each one of these. Diversity and inclusion. Here's what I mean by that. What does it mean to be a place where assimilation is not the ticket price for belonging? Where you can belong being who you are. LGBTQ, multi-ethnic, people with disabilities, neurodiversity, Socioeconomic barriers. What does it mean for people who are actually very different from one another enter into community with each other? We're going to talk about some of these uh, next week, and then we're going to spend time next year talking about a variety of these ways in which we experience difference in the world and how we can become more inclusive. And I'm going to tell you, I need some help with this one. Because here's what I'm good at. I'm very good at preaching against exclusion. I'm not very good at figuring out how to be inclusive. And those are different things, you know? Like, so if I see exclusion, I'll get angry. But actually changing how we do things to be inclusive, like, you know, you can, you can help me figure that out a little bit. All right, the second one is justice and mercy. And the best definition around justice and mercy is, it, what does it mean to love people outside of our community? So diversity and inclusion is about how do we create space for everyone here. Justice and mercy is like, well, what are we doing in the wider community, in the wider world? And justice and mercy um, is, uh, I think it's a, a, a Desmond Tutu uh, quote uh, where he talks about uh, mercy is pulling people out of the river and justice is going up the river to figure out who's pushing them in. Do you see the difference there? So, so mercy is like you, you go and you help people who are in need. You know, we, we, we serve the poor. If someone's hungry, we give them food. If someone's thirsty, we give them something to drink. But then justice is like, okay, well, why are they hungry? Like, what's going on over here that's producing rampant poverty in our community and rampant homelessness and high rates of infant mortality? Like, what's, what systems need to change and, and while we're working to change those systems, we're going to still engage in acts of mercy. So that's justice and mercy. Very important to loving your neighbor. Very important. So you thought this was going to be about holding cookouts and inviting your neighbors over. Now, this is very big. Big ideas. The, the third one is community and compassion. So as we find a way to invite different people into our community and do a better job at that, what does it mean to care for one another? Or, or, or as the scriptures say, carry one another's burdens. Um, so congregational care being invested in our life together, showing up to people who are hurting, uh, making sure that we have avenues to deal with mental health and 
for people who are going through life transitions or losing someone that they love in small groups, and not allowing ourselves to become a social club where it's all about just making sure everyone's happy, but engaging in the mission of really loving each other well. The fourth one is misfits and outcasts. And part of me always kind of put this into uh, diversity and inclusion, but here's what I have found. I'm going to get a little preachy here for a second. I have found that we, and I mean we as in people who are like me, so this might not apply to you. You might be different than me. But we, people who are like me, tend to be okay with LGBTQ, people of color, neurodiverse people, people with disabilities, you know, even poor people, if they are well-behaved and can hold themselves together correctly. Do, do you see what I'm saying? So I actually have got to create a new category here. What does it mean to love people who don't have it all together? Because I'm guessing that includes you. I know it includes me. Um, but what does it mean to love the misfits and the outcasts and the broken and the hurting and the people who, you know, like me and I'm assuming some of you, who are messy, who may be a little rough around the edges? What does it mean to be non-judgmental, um, to recognize that uh, being a community of misfits and outcasts means that you're, you're, it's going to get a little messy? And the last one, which is my, my favorite, you know, and that's sarcasm, <clears throat> is uh, what does it mean to love your enemies? Um, I'm sure we all love doing that, especially in our deeply divided world. What does it mean to love our enemies? What does it mean to love those who hurt us? What does it mean to love those who are out to get us, ruin us? What does it mean to forgive? Um, what does it mean to reconcile, and are those equal? And how do we handle and interact with those people who mean us Harm. We'll look at Jesus as the model for this, since he's the one who commanded us to do it. And we'll look at how Jesus loved his enemies and what he did and didn't do. So this is what I think it means to be a Jesus follower. And this is why we're going to spend a week on each one of these, and the next year we're going to dig into them into greater detail. Um, this is why this is going to shape everything we do next year, our small groups and staff meetings and new ministries and partnerships. Right, right, before, all, right before I stepped away, we were, our church was really posed to move into a new phase as a community. And we're in the process of uh, chartering to become, uh, 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 which means we'd become an official United Methodist Church in our denomination. Uh, something I've been working towards, you know, as a church plant for five years. Uh, Little Bottoms Free Store is in the process of becoming its own nonprofit. New partnerships and collaborations were on the horizon. Things that I've been working on for months and even years. And some of you are familiar with some of those uh, conversations and collaborations. And well, I think we were on the brink of something really exciting. And then it, and honestly, it started to all fall apart. And I tend to be a pretty intellectual person, and I'm not really into uh, uh, spooky stuff. But some of this has looked a little bit like spiritual warfare. Um, I'm just saying. There's a great mystery on why things happen the way they do, but, but a few other people more spiritual than me have believed in, you know, and said, this looks a lot like spiritual warfare. Um, and if I believed in spiritual warfare, this is what it would look like. Um, and I, I, I kind of basically do. It's, a, it's complicated. It's a mystery. So let me say this. In the name of Jesus, casting out fear and division, I still think we're on the brink of something really cool. But I we. Get that. Could you try again? <clears throat> <laughs> Let me repeat myself. In the name of Jesus, <laughs> casting out all fear and division, I think we're on the brink of something really amazing. Did you get that? No, stop. <clears throat> Or Siri. <clears throat> but we have much work to do.
I just thought Finn, was, Finn hasn't been in church in forever, so I thought he was going to interrupt me. And turns out it was my dear friend Siri. Um, but here's the thing: it can't start with us. It has to start with God. You know, the source of all that we are and all that we're capable of. So, if you care about this community, you want to be part of what God is going to do next. Um, uh, here, here's what I'm asking: I want you to commit to pray. To, to humble yourself before God, to spend time in reflection and meditation and silence and to pray, both talking to God and listening to, uh, listening to God. Because I believe this is God's church, not mine, not yours. We don't get to decide what it's about. We have to lay ourselves down as a living sacrifice at God's feet and say, God, your will, not my will, be done. So before we do anything else, that's what I'm going to invite us to do. So in two weeks, starting October uh, 24th, we're going to have this week of prayer. It's very simple. You go to our website and you sign up. It's an appointment sign-up website that you were taken to. So just imagine you're signing up for a dentist appointment, which means you'll get automatic, (laughs) probably the wrong analogy, but I'm pretty sure that's who uses this website. We're using it for prayer, but I'm pretty sure most of their business is dentist. What that means is you're going to sign up for a specific spot. You're going to get automated emails and automated text messages leading up to that. It'll give you, you know, your prayer guide. You can pray at home, but we will have this space open with some interactive stuff. They'll be able to take communion. You'll be able to draw and write out. There's a response form because we want to hear what God is saying to you during this time. As God, as you open yourself up and you sit in silence and you take a breath and you pray and you say, hey, God, what are you, what, what's going on? What do you want to see here at Central City? And for the St. Luke's people, where, what does God want to do with St. Luke's? So just put ourselves at the foot of the cross and allow God to come and just minister to us and speak to us. And so we want to hear some of that. You can write it out on this. We'll have a piece of a table up here with a large piece of paper. We'll also have an online form that, you can, that you'll get texted the link to after your prayer session's over. And and uh, we'll also have uh, some, uh, a prayer guide that kind of walks you through some of the stuff I talked about today with some prompts on how to pray for justice and how to pray for mercy and these types of things. So if you're interested in where we're headed as a church, that's, that's the next step. You can pause everything else you're doing as far as church is related. That's what I want you to do. That's what we're asking you to do is to sign up for a prayer spot and to come and pray and say, hey, God, here's what I'm bringing I give it to you and allow God then to say, here's what I've got for you. And let us know what that is so we can move forward together. Friends, um, it's been a really interesting season for me. And as I've said already, God continues to show up in my life. And so that gives me confidence that God is going to show up in yours as well. And I'm really grateful for that. And I'm excited to see what God's going to say and do through us. So I'm going to leave you, um, I'm, I'm going to just take a few seconds to pray. I really encourage you all to, um, uh, to sign up for prayer, and, um, uh, um, and then we're going to continue this conversation as we go along. So let's pray. God, we give you thanks. We ask that you would uh, speak to us, meet us, sustain us. God, you know what is on our hearts. You know the burdens that we carry, our fears and our anxieties. You know all things. Help us to know you better. Remind us of what it means to uh, love you and to be loved by you. 
We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'm going to leave you with this blessing, and hopefully I'll see you next week. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you, wherever God may send you. May God guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May God bring you home rejoicing at the wonders God has shown you, and may God bring you home rejoicing once again until our doors. See you all next week.